the man that discipled me, Don Henry, he had me do that. And it was really awkward when I did it. I'm sharing the gospel with a guy that's already saved. I thought, this is really strange. But a couple of weeks, literally a couple of weeks later, I was at a Navigator Fall Conference, and I was sitting next to a man that um, didn't know the Lord. And I'm sitting there writing out this illustration on a napkin, and I'm writing out the verses from memory on this napkin. Uh, and so I thought, Don prepared me. And, and it was good that I had to practice that, so I see that as something that I need to do. How do I start investing in others? Do you know how to share your testimony? Do you have some tools available in your hip pocket, so to speak, that you can pull out and share with others? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with The Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the second of three podcasts featuring Mr. Larry Beck, who has been involved in the Kansas Communities Ministry for several decades. You know, I really respect Larry and appreciate his heart for people and for developing spiritual generations. He is the real deal, and he daily invests in the lives of others. Today we learn about some very practical ideas about how to give people some basic tools that they can use in discipling other people. So let's say someone feels like the Lord is calling them to invest in in people. They, they say, yeah, I see in Matthew 28 that I should be making disciples. Uh, but boy, how do I get started doing that? And particularly, how do I get started um, with my busy life? Maybe this is a young person you're speaking to, starting a career, starting a family, or or whatever other uh, activities are going on in their life. How, how do we choose someone to mm-hmm. disciple? Well, I've learned that prayer is probably one of the most important things. Asking God to orchestrate, to bring into my life an individual that I should invest in and for discernment along those lines. Who is it and for how long? Uh, that that can be a tricky one because, you know, you might start investing in the life of an individual, and it's difficult to discern at the onset of that relationship uh, where it's going to end up. And so the the question of time commitment and so forth, uh, it's it's a question mark at the beginning. So uh, prayer is really important for that. And then also realizing that this relationship could last a lifetime potentially. Uh, and it'll change from, if you will, uh, disciple maker to disciple to we're partners in this ministry together. So by God's grace and his aid to associate me with the right person is really critical. And I don't know who that is. That's why God, please help me. And so prayer is important. Um, you know, in being honest, I feel like I've wasted a lot of time. With individuals now, I know our labor in the Lord is not in vain, but sometimes I felt like I had a lot of non-starters to use that terminology. They they wanted, I think they liked the attention of it, and I'd spend time with them, but it just didn't develop into anything that went further. And so I've learned that I've got to be picky. Now that sounds harsh and exclusive, and I don't mean it to be. Uh, every individual has is worth worthy to be ministered to, loved, and shown attention to. But if I'm going to commit to something that's going to go long-term, I want it to be with somebody that's got a hunger and a heart for it. Uh, And so I take that search pretty seriously. So to get into the how is that done, if I meet somebody that seems to have an interest, I'll ask them, hey, why don't we get together and 
talk about, you know, your spiritual life and, and I'll invite them to say, Hey, would you like to do a little Bible study with me and memorize some scripture? And if they say yes, then I'll, if I can't do it at that point, I'll schedule a time and place to meet. Uh, it's, and if I'm going to meet in a, a public place like a restaurant, I often meet with people at Panera. I always make sure I get there early because I'm going to try to find the best table I can find that's going to provide us some privacy, uh, primarily for their sake, not so much for me. But also, I want to show them, I'm going I'm to try to get there before they do every time. I want to show them that they are important and being faithful to this time together is important uh, for them as well as for myself. And if they agree to do it, then I'm going I'm to give them that little test. I'm going to ask them to memorize a verse. I'll show them how to memorize or explain how to memorize. Uh, I'll give them a passage. And I'll also ask them from that passage to jot down what they learned from it. You know, just a couple of thoughts. Doesn't have to be anything major. What questions do they have? What are some things that they learned? Because of what I'm trying to get them to do is start establishing a little bit of a habit of spending time with God himself and the habit of uh, learning to memorize scripture. And when we get together again, I'll schedule that time. We get together again. If they haven't done it, then I'll kind of take some of the credit on myself. I'll say, well, I probably wasn't really clear about, you know, what we needed to do. Um, usually they don't want to memorize their verse or haven't done it. And so I'll, I'll pause and, you know, talk to them about that. We'll visit some. But now reemphasize the importance of that, because at the end of the day, if they'll memorize that verse, it's going to outlast that study or our time together if they'll memorize it and hang on to it. So sometimes I'll cut those meetings a little short. Hey, let's get let's get together again next week. Let's let's do this again and uh, and work on that verse every day and, and let's talk about it. And I'm not doing that in a sense to make them feel ashamed. But I want them to get a sense of, yeah, this is important. I need to do this. And, and they encourage them. So when we get together, they, they, they can do it and they'll feel a sense of accomplishment. I've seen people, once they can quote those verses, they're proud of it. In a sense, they feel good about it. If so, they feel, Larry, yeah. I, no, let me interrupt you just a second and you can continue just a second. But I want to ask in, in that point, you just asked them to memorize one verse and to reflect on that. So I take it that typically you don't have someone sign up for a big commitment for a, a nine-month study no. or whatever, typically. No. I, uh-huh. Actually, I'm, I'm testing the waters. I want to see if they'll commit to the little thing first. And if they do, uh, or if I discern that they're they're going to be faithful to do something bigger, then I'll get into a more involved study, usually somewhere 10 to 12 weeks at the most, because I want to see, are they going to finish that? Um, you know, in in that study, I'm going to start emphasizing things like quiet time, uh, elements of the wheel, the word, prayer, fellowship, uh, witnessing, and so forth. And if they'll finish that study, then I'm going to move from there and start talking to them about their evangelistic approach. Uh, help them to uh, write down, quote, share with me their testimony, learn to get it condensed down and maybe two minutes or less to share a testimony and along with that two or three verses on the gospel. So, and then quote them to me and have them develop a gospel presentation and give it to me in a safe place so that they can practice it. And uh, the man that discipled me, Don Henry, he had me do that. It was really awkward when I did it. 
I'm sharing the gospel with a guy that's already saved. I thought, this is really strange. But a couple of weeks, literally a couple of weeks later, I was at a Navigator Fall Conference, and I was sitting next to a man that um, didn't know the Lord. And I'm sitting there writing out this illustration on a napkin, and I'm writing out the verses from memory on this napkin. And I won't go into the rest of that story. I don't think the Lord saved him, but he was literally murdered two weeks to the day later. Uh, and so I thought, Don prepared me. And, and it was good that I had to practice that. So I see that as something that I need to do. And then if they seem faithful to those things, then I'll start uh, trying and uh, encourage them to read. Well, I will read through like the lost art of disciple making so they can see other men and read about the testimonies of other men and what they've done. If, uh, if there's time and they have desire to keep going, I'll have them memorize things like the wheel illustration. So they've got a tool in their hip pocket that they can pull out any time that's either asked or uh, requested of them. And I'll also start talking to them about Bible study methods, the importance of what I call hermeneutics or the, the science of Bible interpretation, because I want to encourage them to learn to pull out of the text what's in the text and not read into the text what's not there. And I say that is really important because I didn't get a lot of that even young as a navigator. I've learned a lot of that since, and I used to come to the text with my own interpretations of what I thought it meant. And so I've learned over the years to use uh, tools like the Vines Dictionary, uh, Hebrew language uh, textbooks, in a sense, the theological word books of the Old Testament. These are Hebrew scholars that can explain what these words mean. And so that helped me with my interpretation of Scripture, and I found that that's really important. So that's kind of a, a long answer to that question, but it's a process that begins with prayer, a little test, another little test. And if they keep going, then I'm going to take them as far as they'll go and hopefully to where we become partners in the ministry, not just me ministering to them. Well, that's good. Out of the people that you have met with initially for that little test, what percentage would you say have gone on with you over the years? Sadly, very few. I'm going to mm-hmm. say anywhere from 10 to 20 percent. It's sad to me. I mean, some have gone to a certain distance, and it's interesting. I was meeting with a young man the other day that I've spent some time with. Um, he got too busy, but he's still quoting those verses that we memorized together. So I thought, well, Lord, he may bring that one back around. I don't know when, but he's had enough sown in him and he's seen the value of it that uh, that relationship, he's still a part of my life, but he's now too busy with school and marriage and working full time. So maybe that'll come back around someday. Yeah, absolutely. The Lord will work in his heart using those verses for sure. Absolutely. How would you advise someone to um, find an individual. I mean, you've talked a little bit about the, um, I guess, the sifting process or the discernment process of uh, are they going to continue by doing that little test? But would you say people at work you would look at? Would you ask for your pastor to give um, some recommendations of people that might want to grow? Or what have been the, what's been your experience in actually identifying people to even ask to start the process? Well. Yeah. I look for natural fruit, you know, someone that God's brought into my life, uh, that there's a, a relationship that's been developed there. That's that's my 
my favorite place to discern from. Secondly, if I know of an individual that's new in the faith and nobody's following up with them, if I'm not busy doing something else, I'm going to approach that individual, assume it's another man, or if it's a young woman, I'm, I'll have Julie maybe approach them. But um, I've always got a concern for that new believer that's out there listing around on their own. And then if if it seems like, you know, a pastor to church uh, maybe mentions it to me because they know this is kind of what I do, um, I may think about that and pray about it. But I have learned that sometimes just going out and tackling somebody and trying to wrestle them into Bible study, maybe that's not all that effective. Right. I want to, I want to know that God's leading this. And so, and so that's where I look for that natural fruit, the natural relationship to be born or sometime an adoptee. Mm-hmm. Adoptee means, uh, someone who has been working with someone else. Is that what you mean by adoptee? Well, I'm, I'm looking for that orphan. So I'm gonna, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm going to so go begun. adopt them. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I just, um, I remember a time, um, I, I think I found that natural connection a lot of times in, in men's group at church, men's groups at church. And these are guys who want, uh, probably in that situation, they want the fellowship as well as some spiritual growth. And I remember I sat down next to one gentleman that I had known pretty superficially in another, um, Another environment, but I we were sitting there listening to a talk, and at the end of it, it was a Saturday morning, uh, you know, breakfast. And I said, you know, hey, let's get together and have a cup of coffee sometime, do a little Bible study. And he was very open to that, and that and that simple invitation really led to a long term relationship with him, and he uh, he became a believer through that. So I think uh, through the church, through ministries, um, and certainly. Uh, I, I would agree with you that uh, if we identify someone, maybe in the distance, say, oh, "It'd be a good person for the Lord," and but it may not be the Lord's idea. So we really have to be open to what He's leading and and the, the natural connections we have. Well, and to your point, um, one of the things that Don used to encourage me is when you lead a scripture memory class. Uh, you know, that's that's a pretty tall order for a lot of people. He said, but that's one of your best fishing grounds to find a faithful man. And, you know, if you've got a guy that's come through something like that, or even in a Sunday school class, I mean, that's another place where you can kind of start to discern someone who's got a hunger or desire to grow and may need some help. Um, but that those are, you know, good fishing pools in a sense to discern if there's somebody there with a need and a desire for it. Our natural relationships, Sunday school classes, friends at work or in the neighborhood, these are all places we can be open to the Lord's provision of someone who has a need or a desire to grow. If you think the Lord is calling you to minister in this wonderfully rewarding ministry of making disciples, I'd encourage you to simply pray about it. Why not ask the Lord to show you a man or a woman who may desire to grow in their faith? And then be alert to what the Lord is doing. Next time, Larry discusses some essential elements as well as hindrances in a disciple-making relationship right here on Making Disciples Naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.